again with Borderlands Cooperative. Join us for critical conversations about things that matter. Every Friday at 10am on 3CR Community Radio, 855am on your dial. And on 3CR Digital and streaming live at 3cr.org.au. So together, let's think again about important matters affecting us, like economics, politics, education, health, climate, and what we can do about it all. Welcome to our 183rd program of Think Again. Think Again is presented to you by Borderlands Cooperative, an organisation working for social change for, meanwhile, 25 years. I'm Jacques Boulet. And I'm Jennifer Burrell. Today we're talking about austerity measures by governments and the underfunding of the social goods that underpin the well-being of populations. Mm -hmm. And we're also seeing once more what we can learn from the Nordic countries like Finland. It'll come as no surprise to regular listeners that Jen and I are both interested in the state of well-being, welfare, human rights, social justice and inequality. We regularly return to issues like housing, health, education, food security, which are too often dealt with in the mainstream media by descriptions of what it means for individuals or families that are suffering or are being disadvantaged. Yeah, well, we do do that sometimes Mm -hmm. too. For example, Jacques, we've had people talking from their first-hand experience about lack of affordable housing and the devastatingly low Centrelink payments and trying to live on those. Mm. So I think it's important to hear straight from people being affected, Jacques, and also that they have a voice, which is really what Mm. largely 3CR is about. Yeah, that's right, because also such experience, they often go hidden in statistics and disappear as real experiences. And also what the mainstream media fail to do is frame those issues in their broader policy and political economic context, Mm -hmm. unless, of course, some cheap and often uninformed potshots can be aimed at government or an opposition or a party your media outlet is primed to be against. Mm, like the Murdoch Press show. Yeah, on Nile Entertainment. Yeah, that's true, and The Age. <laughs> yeah, so last week we looked at what we might learn in this regard from Finland and other Nordic countries and how they seem to be doing so much better than Australia in dealing with these issues and the fair treatment of their citizens. For example, Finland is famous for its excellent education system and how education is well resourced and very equal, Mm. particularly when contrasted with our own system that disproportionately funnels public resources to better off private schools. We saw in the media that this week some research by the Smith family showing how families in the public system are struggling to cover basic school costs for their children. Yeah, because they're not covered by the government. That's right. Yeah, so we covered a lot of ground last week, uh, but what we didn't mention is how Finland and other Nordic countries aren't afraid to tax people and companies properly (laughs) to pay for the necessary infrastructure and social support, with with the Finnish government's overall focus being the well-being of the populace. Now, wouldn't that be nice? Mm -hmm. Radke Brechman, 
the Dutch social scientist who wrote Utopia for Realists a few years ago, had this to say, and I quote, It's no accident that countries that score high on well-being, like Denmark, Sweden and Finland, have a large public sector. Their governments subsidize the domains where productivity can't be leveraged. Unlike the manufacture of a fridge or a car, history lessons and doctor's checkups can't simply be made more efficient. Mm, well, they're a public good and That's a public right. necessity. Exactly. And furthermore, Bregman said, and I quote again, the main impediment to allocating our resources to such noble ends is the illusion that we cannot afford them. Mm. When you're obsessed with efficiency and productivity, it's difficult to see the real value of education and care, unquote. Mm. So Bregman famously, uh, listeners might remember, Bregman famously put the entire world economic forum elite in their place in Davos a few years ago, daring to say that the rich should pay their fair share in taxes and that all the rest of their chit-chat was bullshit. <laughs> yeah, all hell broke loose at the idea that to improve services, we expect from our governments that we need to increase tax income. Yeah, so he was really scandalised all the billionaires at the World Economic Forum for even using the word tax. And no. I think Jacques, you pointed out he's probably never going to be invited back again. <laughs> That's right. Anyway, talking about tax in Australia, according to a 2019 study by Andrew Scott from the Nordic Policy Centre, who was on the programme last week, Australia is a low-taxing country. That's right. We're a low-tax country, no matter what political leaders like to tell us. So with tax and other revenue, our tax and other revenue are 35% of the gross domestic product here. Mm -hmm. So 35% of the gross domestic pro uh, product. And that's well below the OECD average and actually sits Australia in the bottom six of 33 OECD countries, uh, nations in level of taxation. So Australia is certainly a very low taxing nation. In contrast, the main Nordic nations fill four of the top positions for taxation. So Finland, for Finland it's 52% of gross domestic product. Norway, 54% of gross domestic product. Denmark, 52%. And Sweden is 50%. Mm -hmm. And the report tells us so that... So much high, sorry, Jacques, I just want to point out, so they're all half, that, mm -hmm. their taxation is half their GDP that, that's right. or, or more, mm -hmm. whereas ours about a third. That's correct. Yeah. yeah, it's a huge difference. And the report tells us that tax is not a dirty word in these countries. In fact, the Swedish word for tax, Scott, has an other meaning, namely treasure. Treasure. Now, how appropriate. <laughs> Tax revenue as our collective treasure. Why don't we think of it more like that? Mm, that's something, right. It's something for citizens to proudly contribute to mm -hmm, for the common right. good. Yep, that's right. And, it, it and it's get, not utopian. There are countries yeah. who are actually treating and yeah. talking about tax and, that way. Yeah. And it would also give the, the name treasurer a very different meaning and, and, and the role the treasurer has to play, yeah, namely did. take care of the nation's treasure, Collective. which is our treasure. 
Yeah, and, and might, some, and might, might make them feel proud to increase correct. it, the treasure. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and it would basically, yes, that, that the treasure is something to dispense for the, wealth, the well-being of the nation and for all the people, for things like housing and infrastructure. Yeah, that's right. So... To quote, I'll quote again from, from the report by the Nordic Policy Centre. So this is what it says in the report. Quote, values such as security, fairness, trust and a sense of belonging underpin and are in turn reinforced by the taxation arrangements in all four main Nordic nations, mm-hmm. unquote. And uh, tax revenue in these countries is considered integral to the provision of services like education, health, public transport, quality infrastructure and other services that deliver benefits and help to reduce inequalities through redistribution. So so it seems like common sense, doesn't it? That's right. Raising taxation revenue is integral to providing what the people need for their well-being and and Mm. their well-being and even to survive, I guess. Mm-hmm. Rather than also, for example, privatising uh, infra- public infrastructure so that, again, private people can make money out of it. Mm. It's, interestingly that, or it's interesting that welfare provision in the Nordic countries is universal rather than targeted at the most disadvantaged yeah. so that everyone feels to have a stake in the provision of services and is willing to pay for them through a progressive tax system. To quote from the report again, in contrast, the selective and minimal welfare arrangements that apply in low-tax countries like Australia and America contribute to spiralling hostility to its many welfare recipients, unquote. And that is a wedge that many politicians in this country have been happy to create and expand for political advantage over time. Well, it creates a sort of an us and them, doesn't it? That's correct, yeah. The scandal of robo-debt could be considered a textbook example of where such an ideology eventually leads to. Yeah, and building on the old idea of doll bludger, Mm. oh, we're all paying for those doll bludgers, you know. Yeah, so so that I think that's a really interesting point. Um, a source of immense frustration for me uh, personally, and I know for a lot of people, is the appallingly low Centrelink payments that are way below the cost of living and way below the poverty line level, sorry, or po- poverty level, um, no matter how you measure that poverty mm-hmm. level, it's that's way right. below. Mm-hmm. Millions of people in Australia just can't afford to live. How are people expected to live? I don't know. And and that's a fact. It's a desperate crisis happening right now. And I'm sure there'll be listeners who are uh, familiar with it firsthand. So forget the glamour projects. I'd say to politicians, forget the glamour projects that generate photo opportunities and media announcements. For millions of people and households, This is the first necessity right now. Provide people with enough money to live on. (laughs) Provide people with enough money to pay for housing, food, medicine, bills, and just the basics of life. Yeah, and school school materials for children so they can participate. Yeah. So as an example of the inadequacy of Centrelink payments, the maximum payment 
for a single person with a dependent child or children is $718 per fortnight. So that's a maximum of $359 per week or say rounded up $360 per week. Meanwhile, the median house rent, the median middle house rent in Melbourne is $460 per week. <clears throat> so compare that. That was $360 for Centrelink, if you, even if you have two children, and the median rent is $460 per week for a house. In Sydney, it's gobsmackingly $630 per week, the median house rent. So the median unit rent isn't much better. In Melbourne, it's $425, still well above the Centrelink payment. And, um, and I'm just talking about one expense here, housing. Um, rent assistance, there is rent assistance, but those payments only put a small dent in that. So just imagine trying to live on 360 per week with children when the median house rent is $460 per week. I know I'm sounding repetitive, but it's just unbelievable. People can't live on it. It's unthinkable. And no wonder so many people are queuing up food parcels just to live. So mm. at least let's bring up Centrelink payments to the poverty level. <laughs> mm. Or like go, go and read Bregman, who says, uh, who makes a strong argument for a basic income. Last year, Anglicare studied the affordability of the rental market in Victoria and found that people on Centrelink payments, as well as those on the minimum wage, find it pretty much impossible to rent in the private market without going into housing stress. Yeah, and I agree with you about the universal mm. wage mm. too. That's right. With that point, actually. Mm. And, um, <clears throat> and in relation to people not being able to cover their rent, I'd also point out that they even would find it hard to mm-hmm. for um, to be accepted by the real estate agent, mm. you know, when there's so many people fighting for the same property. Um, let's continue this discussion after mm. a music break, though, with No More by Sun Salute.
hold nothing sacred And we the people see this You keep on poisoning the lands For your material demands I know that one day the wrong shall be right Free up your minds Yes, divided we will fall Together we are strong So we got to carry on So no, no more, no more, no more Now one, two, no more It's time for the people rise up It's time for balance the score You see there's no time for you're listening to Think Again on 3CR Radio, 855 AM on your dial and streaming live at 3cr.org.au. <laughs> Today we're talking about the trend toward government austerity measures and cutbacks to spending, presumably necessary for, well, which are necessary for people's well-being or spending necessary for people's well-being, I should say. <laughs> we'll talk a little more about the situation in Australia before looking at global trends and also how we can try to counter this trend. In Tuesday's New Daily newspaper, Michael Pascoe makes short shrift of Italian government's attempts at addressing... Whose government? I think you said Italian government. The Australian mm, government. Yes. Oh, dear. Uh, government attempts at addressing the homelessness and housing crisis. Titled, his article is titled Affordable Housing, Just Band-Aids and Duct Tape. And he writes, As with last year's federal election, housing affordability is a major issue for the electorate, but not for the major parties. As long as one side doesn't take it seriously, the other side doesn't have to either. There is nothing much beyond the little window dressing on offer for the real housing crisis, our affordable and social housing catastrophe. We reap the reward of decades of bipartisan underinvestment in government housing, so politicians prefer to outsource their responsibility to property developers and real estate spruikers. Unquote. But his final punch, uh, the Pascoe's final punch is, and I quote, the neoliberal preference to subsidize private developers and landlords directly through rent subsidies and indirectly through a distorted tax system is universal. Mm. End of quote. Yeah. So, meanwhile, the rising level of homelessness, much of it hidden, you know, because people are couch surfing or staying mm -hmm. at friends' places, that sort of thing. Um, the, the homelessness is a national scandal and um, making it a bit less hidden, there was a, I, should, I would like to mention there was a great program about homeless older women on ABC TV recently with older women being the fastest growing group mm -hmm. of homeless people in Australia. Yeah. So what's absolutely certain is that we need much more social housing particularly public housing and not just the quasi-corporate community housing style of social housing. We need more public housing that's owned and managed by the government. Um, and we, we, we really need to set up a substantial t pipeline and it needs to be built all the time. So according to research by AHURI, A-H-U-R-I, Australia needs 433,000 and 400 more social housing properties to fill the need. And, of course, that need is increasing all the time. Yeah, Michael Pascoe's final remark, and I quote, 
only one political party is taking public housing and, and affordable housing seriously, the Greens. Their housing policies are bold, brave and worthy. Serious, large-scale investment in government-owned housing would respond to the basic need and would relieve pressure on the private rental market. Shelter as a basic right, not primarily as an asset class for investors. The Greens suggest tax reform, including a progressive, universal land tax. But as they are in no danger of forming government, it may be easier for them to be bold, mm -hmm. as Pasco concludes his article, with a touch of cynicism. Mm -hmm. We will certainly come back to housing and homelessness in Think Again in the near future. But we do want to cast our net more widely before finishing this program and look at global trends in welfare and well-being policy, especially in the aftermath of the global COVID crisis. Governments have laid out enormous sums to deal with COVID, which has disrupted their existing social policies and programs and depleted their financial resources. So many governments now revert to forms of scarcity or austerity policies to recuperate the losses. Like a backlash. Yeah, mm, that's so, right. And austerity policies referring to low spa spending on public welfare, of yeah, course. Cuts and all of that. that. Exactly, yeah. yes. Policies based on the presumption or the pretense that we live in penury as a society and hence have to cut spending and save. A report by the European Network on Debt and Development, which is abbreviated to Eurodad. And, and Shark, you don't mean you're a dad like you're a European dad in that <laughs> No, sense. not really, no. European Network on Debt <laughs> and, uh, and Development, it's an acronym. Okay. They make the point, despite, despite millions of people being pushed into poverty and destitution, 143 countries across the world, including 94 developing nations, are implementing or planning to implement policies that undermine the provision of education, healthcare, social protection and other public services. So this is a worldwide trend. It is. As people are becoming worse off, mm. uh, government purse strings mm. are being tightened. Yeah? That's right. That's exactly right. The Eurodad report is titled End, End Austerity, a global report on budget cuts and harmful social reforms. And I quote, partly quote and summarize. It describes how 85% of the world's population will live in the grip of austerity me measures, many more than after the global financial crisis in, in 2009. Such measures include things like scaling down social protection programs for women, children, the elderly and other vulnerable people. Only a small safety net will be left for a fraction of the poor. Wages and number of teach numbers of teachers, health and local civil servants will be cut and subsidies eliminated. Public services and utilities, energy, water and public transport will be privatised mm. or commercialised yeah. and pensions and workers' rights will be reduced. Mm. Eurodad suggests that instead of implementing austerity measures, governments need to find alternative financing to support their people who are coping with multiple crises relating to health 
energy finance, climate, and unaffordable living costs. Mm -hmm. Instead of cutting public expenditures, governments can increase revenues to finance a people's recovery, and a wide variety of fiscal options could generate resources, which is supported by various United Nations bodies, the International Monetary Fund, the OECD, and many other international bodies. So the money can be found if there's a political will, basically, Jacques. That's right. There are ways governments can extend um, their resources to support the well-being of the people. Yeah, Yeah. just think about taxes or cutting military expenses. The feasibility of these options depends on political will and pressures by vested interest, but also on citizens' awareness of their rights and entitlements. Like in Australia, raising revenues through higher tax rates will certainly face challenges from those who would have to pay more tax, but when they would become more progressive again. Yeah, uh, yeah and we saw the protests um, about that taxation when the billionaires at the mm. World Economic Forum in Davis were so scandalised at the very idea that they, they might pay more tax yeah. and that might solve a lot of the problems. And proposes to reallocate the government budget away from defence or from energy subsidies for corporations and miners will be opposed by the military and by those corporations, of course. Yeah, but um, opposed by those military and, co- uh, military and corporations or the corporations making a few bucks out of wars and warmongering and um, I guess out of, yeah... Yeah, less contentious ways of for governments to find the revenue to support all their people are using the reserves of their central banks and issuing government bonds, for example. In any case, it's imperative to have a national social dialogue about all of this and, public, and publicly debate the pros and cons of the available and possible options. Yeah, and not just accept there's no money <coughs> and exactly. we can't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's provide right. housing and mm. enough money for people to live on. Yeah, and here in Australia, it does seem like a good time to do it now, having a government that seems willing to enter into such dialogue. Now is the time for the various relevant sectors, organisations and networks to demand for necessary policies to support the well-being of the population at large. As part of good governance, Governments must negotiate agreements transparently with input from a range of interests, including representative trade unions, employer groups and community service organisations. Yeah, we need the um, people from a lot of different sectors talking about it, Mm -hmm. but having a vision for what do we need to do to support wellbeing and where do we get the resources Mm -hmm. from and what are our priorities and mm-hmm. um, as a, and values as a nation mm-hmm. yeah. and not just blindly accept this there is no money mm-hmm. yeah so I think um, we also we need to get into action we mm-hmm. the people and get on board of the wo- worldwide end austerity campaign so there is a campaign listeners um, on the internet um, if you put in end austerity.org So between 2006 and 2020, hundreds of anti-austerity protests have occurred in over a hundred countries, many successfully reversing intended austerity measures. So the End Austerity campaign offers tips as to how to peacefully end austerity in a country and we'll paste some of the links on our program website Mm -hmm. page. 
Yeah, and Rutger Bregman should have the last word. He ends his book, Utopia for Realists, with two pieces of advice for those of us who want to change the world for the better. First, realize that there's more people like you out there in the world. And second, cultivate a thicker skin. <laughs> Don't let anyone tell you what's what. If we want to change the world, we need to be unreasonable, unrealistic and impossible. End Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> so on to community announcements. Uh, currently, the Australian government is conducting an inquiry on the extent and nature of poverty in Australia. The inquiry is asking people who are struggling to make ends meet to tell the government about their experience and what it's like for them trying to manage without enough income. The deadline is close, 3rd of February. So if you're online, just put in your search engine the extent and nature of poverty and you'll find it. Or if you're not online, you can ring 02-6277-3515. That's 02-6277-3515. Thanks for listening to Think Again on 3CR Community Radio and supporting our program. If you want to send us a message, you can email Borderlands, borders at borderlands.org.au. Our past programs are available on podcast, on your favourite platform, and via the 3CR website at 3cr.org.au. Meanwhile, to bring us into this program, please enjoy Milkumana by King Stingray. Milkumana! You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.